You're listening to Commissioning Conversations, the podcast brought to you by Broadcast Intelligence. Hi, and welcome to Commissioning Conversations. I'm Alice Redman. And I'm Heather Fallon. And we are both researchers and journalists for the Commissioner Index. This week, I spoke to STARS VP of International Programming, Jeff Cook. And we're going to be discussing our favourite green lights of the week. So, hi Heather, how are you? How's your week been? Yeah, I'm I'm not too bad. I feel like we're both in a bit of a state of <laughs> disrepair. People can't see us, but I'm sat in a in a beanie hat and a blanket because I can't figure out how to turn the heating on in my new place. And you've got a cold. <laughs> yeah, so if I sound particularly like nasally or throaty during this, I am pre-apologizing. Luckily, my interview with Jeff was recorded last week when I sounded a little bit better, but I think right now there might be a little bit of um a little bit of cold in my voice, mm. shall we say. So let's delve into our green lights of the week, shall we? So what was yours this week, Alice? Mine is not maybe even just a green light of the week. It's potentially the green light of the year Ooh. or maybe even the green light of the past five years. Let's be real. Um, so it is the HBO Max Harry Potter reunion, which obviously I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I love it. Grew up with it. It was my favourite thing from childhood. And it's just very exciting that they're having a reunion special. It's going to have the three main cast members, Christopher Columbus, who directed the first movie. Not going to have J.K. Rowling, which is interesting. If, if you know, you know. <laughs> We're not going to get into that on this podcast. <laughs> For but obvious if you know. reasons. <laughs> but on a more kind of wider TV point, I think what's quite interesting about this is it's kind of a continuation of what HBO Max did when they first launched with the Friends reunion special. So it's like a big entertainment focused, not drama focused event around something with a huge fandom, which is going to get subscribers in. Even if they subscribe for a month and there's a really high churn rate, it's going to see HBO Max are going to see a boost in profits from this. And it's just really interesting. And I wonder how long until we see other streamers that have access to these big fandoms kind of doing similar things. Yeah, I'm thinking like Disney trying to think of a big property that Disney had. I mean, obviously they have Disney, <laughs> but, you know, something, a big Disney property that maybe has a huge fandom, but it's, it's old now. How long till they do something around maybe the original Star Wars cast getting together? Lizzie McGuire reboot, but they just reunite instead. Yes. I don't know. I just want to know what the Lizzie McGuire reboot was like. I think it, it upsets me nearly every day that that never got made. <laughs> I know. Maybe one day, Alice. <laughs> Maybe one day. Um. So what was your green light of the week? Yeah, so mine was one of the ones, one of the commissions from the BBC Centenary Slate. It's called The Love Box in Your Living Room. I just keep going for ones with really weird names. Uh, it's from Balloon Entertainment and it just sounds mad. And I love that. It's going to be a kind of comedy one-off special featuring Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse who were two of my absolute comedy heroes growing up their sketch show is absolutely iconic 
a proper staple of BBC television in the early noughties and a very good duo to commemorate the BBC. I think in the description it said that it was going to chart the socio-political history of the British people and the BBC. I think it'll be a really good way of commemorating the BBC in a slightly different way to showing traditional archive and history, which they are doing that as well. But this one had me particularly excited. Mm, I appreciate with all this like 100 year programming that the BBC are doing, they've got a good balance, something that's a bit silly and something that's very serious. So you want both in these yeah. times. They're doing a um, Horrible Histories special as well, which will be really fun. That should be really fun. Yeah, because BBC is 100 next year. So that's so awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the BBC's old, we're getting old. So we both sat here in blankets. (laughs) I know. I watched, um, this is a film, not a TV show, but I I did enjoy it, um, Tick, Tick, Boom, on Netflix this weekend. And that was all about turning 30 and wondering about where your life's going to go and if you are ever going to make it. And I just thought, hitting a bit too bit too close to home <laughs> this is this is where you get the sneak peek of how we actually are and um, which we will delve more into our own psyches in the christmas special <laughs> as a lucky commissioning conversations viewer we'll get to hear me and heather discussing our favorite shows because heather is leaving <laughs> <laughs> yes so the next podcast will be a christmas special we'll be with the baileys discussing all the commissioning and television events of the past year having a summary and that will be our last episode ah. <laughs> yeah going out on a high heather a is moving <laughs> to the broadcast team in january so obviously we still will work together and we're going to work on a podcast together that will marry the broadcast and broadcast intelligence slash commissioner index brand a little bit more holistically, a little bit more TV news than you'd find here and a little bit more commissioning analysis than you'd find in the broadcast news wrap podcast. So, you know, everyone gets the best of both worlds, but we thought we'd go out with a bit of a fun one as this has been, you know, the past year and a half of my life and yours recorded a lot of episodes i hope uh, people found them helpful do have a bit of a loyal fan base so hopefully that's a good sign (laughs) so yeah we're just gonna have a nice roundup and say goodbye so as it is our last episode if any of you who have listened for a long time like to write in and tell us what your shows of the year were we'd love to give you all a big shout out and just want to say pre-thanks I'll save the big thanks but thanks to everyone who has listened every week because it's really nice and we're very grateful extremely grateful and uh, as one little additional treat this week Alice has spoken to Jeff Cook who is VP of International Programming over at Stars. Yeah an interview to go out with a bang. Jeff is commissioning all across Europe basically anywhere that's not the domestic US Stars territory so there's lots of opportunity there for drama so let's take a listen. As VP of International Programming. I think it'd be great, Jeff, if you start just by explaining what your job entails and kind of what you do at Stars. Yeah, of course. So my job really is it's quite simple. It's you know overseeing all programming and content for the international um, services for Stars. So whether that's the you know, strategy, editorial line, you know what we're buying, what shows we want to invest in, anything you know content related uh, on the international front that goes goes through me. And 
kind of you know internationally like that's obviously a big broad area are there any specific territories at the moment that's really kind of the stars focus for growth and just for general programming well what, I, what I've said before is you know we love all of our children equally so every territory we're in is, is obviously important for us to be successful and grow um, you know however of course there are markets that are you know a little bit probably more advanced in terms of just as mm-hmm. adoption and in local content so I mean where we're where we've really kind of leaned in and where we're ahead in terms of local content is the Spanish speaking world. So we've got, you know, four or five shows announced. Um, there's more coming. Um, and so we really like that model. And so, you know, those will start to come onto the service early next year. And then of course, we're looking to replicate that in other markets as well. But really every territory is, is, is important, but you know, some we're going to have a different profile in terms of local content versus others until we kind of fully get up to speed. In terms of those profiles, do you have a set mix that you look for in terms of what's a commission and what's an acquisition, or are you just taking it territory by territory? This is a good question. I mean, I think you ultimately need both, right? I mean, you need to, I think it's important that as an American company, if you're going into some of these markets, it's important to show that you're willing to invest in the local creative community. You know, we were just in Mexico this week for an event and it was it was, it was great to see how many people were saying that with these shows that we're doing, you know, it wasn't so much about, Oh, these are great shows. It was, we're really proud that this company is coming in and saying, we believe in you. It's important to tell these local stories. And I always kind of knew that, but it it just kind of clicked again when you hear the same thing over and over and how, how, how meaningful it is. So I think it's just super important. And that's definitely something that we believe in and want to keep pushing in. Um, whether that's Latin America, Spain, or, or other countries. But it's also important to have acquisitions. I think you have to balance it and you, know, you can't just do all commissions, I don't think, for a number of reasons, economic, timing. There's a lot of great shows that get made that you don't need to commission that you can come in and buy and partner on. And we really just kind of take it you know, case by case and see what's out there. But we get great pitches on original commissions. We get great pitches for things that are kind of, you know, need a, another partner, but it's kind of fully baked, a pre-buy, you know, so to speak. And then we, we see great things that are, you know, fully done that we still want to buy, especially U.S. shows and U.K. shows. So it's, it's always going to be a mix. And kind of in terms of languages, how does that work in different territories? So would say a Spanish language original be available in the U.K. or the U.S. or do you keep it in the territory that it's kind of designed for? It, it depends. For most of the shows that we're doing um, that are Spanish language, you know, we'll have all Latin America and we'll have Spain, like first and foremost, because that's really, really important, obviously. And then everything else, it's really just a conversation. Depends on the, the producer, depends on the studio. You know, we've done deals where we have a really broad set of territory rights and then we've had more limited ones. So that, and I think that's one of the advantages that, mm-hmm. that we have right now is that we're not necessarily wed to one type of deal. And we give the producer the opportunity to keep rights and continue to like monetizing the show that they ultimately create, which from what we've heard in the market is really refreshing. Uh, Cause I think there's been very, you know, cost plus deals are very standard for a lot of the bigger streamers. And while they're fantastic and they're great for everybody involved, there is, I think, a willingness for people to do other types of deals just to kind of mix it up. Yeah, it's probably quite refreshing for people to work with like a big US streamer and not have to give away their full worldwide right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's like both can be good. It just really Mm. depends on what people are really looking for. So ultimately right now we're we're kind of the the place that was willing to do that flexible type of deal. And so in terms of what you are looking for, it'd be great if you could give us kind of some overview of areas, subjects, genres, what are your current commissioning needs? 
I mean, we, we look at ourselves as like an adult streaming service, right? We, we really think that there's a space out there to be successful um, with, you know, edgy, bold, provocative content. Whereas, you know, a lot of the, the bigger streamers are going broad and they're doing family and kids and unscripted and game shows. They, of course, still do drama and, you know, that's part of their, their remit too. But what we think is really a space that we can, can, can be successful in is that we really just focus on drama and then we can always be a complement to a lot of these bigger services. So when we look for things, like we really want them to, you know, push the envelope. We want them to be noisy. We want them to, you know, be a bit provocative, maybe a bit um, controversial because we think that's, that's a way to raise awareness. And for us, we're still very early in our rollout and our sort of brand awareness that we think these things can really help us gain awareness in the market. And are there any kind of subject matters like specifically that you look for? Is it, is it just edgy and a bit different? You know, we don't, I don't really like to say like, oh, we're really looking for a sci-fi show or really looking for a certain genre because it kind of limits what comes your way. And I think mm. what we generally say is, you know, don't pitch us comedy, don't pitch us kids. We're not doing unscripted. You know, we want to do things that are, again, are going to push the envelope. So whether that is a, you know, a romance type show, that's just like very sexy, something like a normal people, you know, that's a bold show, you know, yeah. and it's a, a romance show. So while I, you know, always love a good romance, I think everybody does, you know, that's not necessarily a ton of what people come out and pitch. Like there aren't a lot of shows like that, I don't think right now, but at the same time, we're doing a sci-fi show in Latin America, which is totally unheard of. The crime thriller, even though we've all seen the dead body show and we love them and they're great and they kind of keep getting remade. We're doing shows like that that have just a little bit of a different twist to them. So I don't think there's a specific genre. I think what we tend to say is there's like just a few things we're really not going to do. So don't bother pitching us at this point in time. Um, Obviously, I know this probably will differ territory by territory, but when you're looking at something to maybe acquire or going on a co-pro with versus as an original, like a star's original, what's kind of the key difference between something you'd like give full funding to as an original and something that you would just kind of join and give some money to? Yeah, you know, I think we have to look at things like, is this going to be, is this going to be something that could work for us across all of the markets? And, you know, just to be truthful, it's like some things do and some things don't. And that's just kind of the reality of it. And I think you have to be willing to you know accept that and there are things that come in that we could say wow this is really going to work for you know germany france and the nordics but we don't think it's going to work across latin america and that sort of guides our decision making and it doesn't necessarily mean we wouldn't take a latin america it just means you know our willingness to invest a certain amount you know is capped um so it depends on the show it depends on the deal i think first and foremost when we're looking at at shows or commissions we think, okay, this has to work in the home market first and foremost. And it's gotta, it's gotta be big for us because every, everything we wanna do uh, is to help build awareness for the brand. So yeah, that, I think, I mean, that's, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's great. And what is the kind of star's target audience? Is it different in different territories or is it kind of a similar, similar group of people? Well, I think, I mean, I generally we have that umbrella, right, of adults. Mm. And I think that kind of guides everything that we look at, but, you know, every country is different, right? It's, their makeups are different. You know, what is the, you know, what is the, the, the mix of different races in the country? What is the demographics difference in each country? So everywhere is different. And I think, you know, with us, we've got, you know, a couple of years of you know, two to three years worth of, you know, data and audience research. And we've kind of 
know now, like what our audience is in the UK versus Germany versus France. And so we make adjustments to, you know, programming in terms of like, what do we want to commission there versus here? And it also looks at, you know, the star's original slate that we get out of the US, you know, where is it strong? You know, where is it not as strong? We augment it. So it really depends on the territory. We, we look at things at a very, very granular level because I think you have to, to be mm. able to maybe be successful. And again, same with tariffs and things, you have a certain amount that you spend in one country versus what you'd spend in another country, or do you have just a set set deal across across the world? You know, no, I mean, every every deal is, is really different. And again, kind of going back to what I said earlier, I think that is in some ways refreshing for people, but it also, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of an unknown. It's like, well, how do we want to put this project together if we're willing to put in, you know, X, can we find Y from somebody else or another partner? So it really totally depends on the on the project and then what kind of rights we're looking at taking. And is there a typical kind of series order that you like to make? In terms of like episodes? Yeah, like episodes and length and things. So we're pretty much doing hour long shows, you know, so whether that's 45 minutes or an hour, you know, of course we don't, we don't have a, a, a linear schedule, so it doesn't necessarily matter, but generally looking for hours, like I think that's kind of more of the drama, although I think there is a, uh, an interesting rise in uh, the half hour drama, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of an interesting format too. So not to say we wouldn't do like a half hour drama, but we just haven't really looked at that yet. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of episodes, it feels like everything now is six to eight. That seems to be kind of the sweet spot. And um, that feels good. You know, you don't want something to just go on too long and you're like, you may, you, you probably want to pack it in as much as you can because People's time is precious. And I think, you know, attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So it feels like six to eight is kind of the, the realm where people are, are playing now. And in terms of like talent, obviously, um, you know, there's different types of talent deals that you can make and things like that. And obviously there's writing talent versus directing versus acting. Do you expect to have talent packaged with your international stuff? Because obviously in the US, it's very different with, you know, you guys pitch through the agencies and things like that. And that's a way more easy way to get something packaged. Whereas in the UK, say, for example, most people just email a commissioner direct and say, hey, I've got this script, like, let's, let's work on it together. So kind of what are your expectations with that? Yeah, we've done both. You know, we've we've started with things that are just a, a concept and we've said, okay, let's develop it. You know, let's put some money into it. Let's get a script written. You know, there, there always tends to be a writer involved first and foremost, which, mm. you know, is, is in my opinion, that's a big piece of talent. So that is meaningful. And then beyond that, I think it's good to know going into something when you're looking at a project, what is like, show me the, the realistic, you know, list of who you think you could get to to do this project because talent is super important. And again, for us, it's, we're using these shows to raise awareness, define our brand. And so we're doing that and talent is a huge part of it. You know, we don't really want to make shows with, you know, unknown people at this point, you know, because we need to use talent to build a brand and not to say that everybody has to be, you know, a massive star because that's not realistic, but ultimately Talent for us is a very important piece, whether we know that at the very beginning or in the process, it doesn't have to be fully packaged, but we need to have an idea of who we can get. And I think a lot of that, you know, based on the producer, right? So if we're getting a pitch from a certain production company and we know they do big stuff and we know they have great relationships with talent, we don't need to know it on day one because we know 
the project is great, the script is good, we will get talent at some point. And in terms of you know, writing talent, are you looking to take chances on new writing talent or would you like people with a more established track record? I think either way, you know, some of the best stuff we've read have been from really young people that don't have a track record, you know, or they, the track record is, you know, they were, you know, in X writing room or they wrote on X show as like a, you know, a staff writer. So the writing, well, again, you know, if you're like, hey, I have a show by this person and you know they've made you know 10 massive shows you're like of course that's great you know because mm-hmm. there's a track record there but it doesn't we don't we don't need the writer to be you know a, a, a an a-list star because i think it, it can come from anywhere and how do you like to be pitched to what do you like to see in a proposal personally i like a pilot like i, I need to read something typically because dialogue is just super important and tone is super important I love to have an outline of the season where where it's going, what happens with the characters, what's the beginning and end of each episode, like, you know, how are we handling cliffhangers and things like that. We don't always get that. And that's kind of what we work with, you know, with the writer to say, all right, well, let's build out a Bible. But, you know, personally, it's hard. It's hard for us to, I think, understand where a show is and if it's really going to be a star show without knowing where it's going and having some structure around um, a Bible. So. We've commissioned people to write Bibles. People have done it and said, hey, here's my thought on where it goes. This is obviously open to debate if you guys come in on the project. And I think that's good too. Like, here's my vision of what this is. But obviously, if we go into this together, if it's not your vision and it's slightly different, then let's talk about it and make the changes. Sounds good. And how should people approach you or stars in general? Um, just in terms of like by what means like yeah like you know, what's the best way should they email should they oh yeah um, talk you down at a market or something <laughs> which people have suggested yeah I know it, it, it happens it's kind of part, it's part of the job mm. I mean ultimately you know we've got execs in markets that I think are very plugged into the creative community and people know that we're out there looking for stuff and so whether it comes through you know somebody on the team or sent directly to me I mean we've got a, a process where we review everything and, and give feedback so um, any way you can get a hold of me is fine amazing and just to kind of finish this up it would be great to know kind of what you're watching at the moment what shows are you enjoying not on stars maybe or maybe on stars who knows not limiting you what's your favorite show of the moment okay well the show that my wife and i just finished watching was the investigation it's on hbo in the u.s i believe it's a danish show very very good can't say enough about it i I think i'm late to the party on that one but that was a that was a very good show and you know of course i watched squid game and i loved it just like everybody else and then you know watching all of our spanish language originals that are you know not done yet but they're you know in the process of being edited it's gotten me super excited about that slate and so between those three things it's you know it's hard to watch some stuff outside of work just because we're so busy reviewing the shows that we're making but um yeah squid game and the investigation are probably the two very different but both very good well there's some excellent foreign language drama recommendations there yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of what stars do with their international expansion or stars play, should I say, um, which is the name of the streamer. And it's also just really interesting to have some insight into you know how an American streamer is working in a very different way to places like Netflix and HBO Max in terms of rights. You know, they're a lot more flexible. They're a lot more open. They have more of an Amazon model, I would say. Mm. As always, some very interesting opportunities available on the Commissioner Index. And I think that's probably all we have time for today. 
yep but um we will see you in two weeks time for our final episode oh our little christmas special what a way to end the year yep so we will see you then for the last episode thanks for listening bye bye thanks for listening to commissioning conversations we'll be releasing new episodes every other week and you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, youtube and at broadcastintel.com <clears throat> i have such a lump in my throat because right. you're trying to hold back tears <laughs> <laughs>